Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240 for Spring Semester 2023. Today, review for the midterm exam. You will be allowed a note card, four by six, front and back. And uh, you will also be able to print out your, that financial ratios formula sheet. Don't write anything on it, but you can print that out and have that with you. It will be in ReggieNet and it will be password protected so you can't take it somewhere else. You have to be in attendance. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, you can use your financial calculator or you can use Excel as you wish for it. Uh, make sure that you have a good charge on your battery and your computer. And uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Okay, now, over, overview it will be 40 questions. There will be 36, but there will also be a matching part that will rack it up to a one question that's a matching, so that will rack it up to a total of 40 questions. They will be multiple choice, true and false, matching, as I said, and also numeric. Uh, and I will go through what I think you need to know to do well on the exam. And then you can ask me questions. Uh, well, is this going to be on the exam? If it isn't, I'll say no, don't worry about that. Or yes, that will be. And uh, then from there, that uh, should be it. And I'm going to go through, what, again, what I think you should know. Well, actually, I guess I could just put the exam up on the overhead for you to see. but. Okay, no one bit on that. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's get this done. <laughs> Light up that board, fat boy. Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, hearkening back to the early days of this course, back when we were young, we were in love and all that, there was some fundamental information about the subject itself and make sure that you understand that those concepts. What is the difference between accounting and finance? Specifically focusing on costs and what they consider costs and what we consider costs that and they are not the same. And also even on revenue, what do they consider revenue? And what in finance do we consider as revenue? And that goes to the whole issue of free cash flow. Accountants say every dollar you mark as having been made is counted and we say no, that's not correct. So make sure that you know those that also know the difference between the debt holders and the stockholders. Who has the prior claim and who has the residual claim? Who has the prior claim and who has the residual claim? 
that's for both. I'm, it's just who has the prior claim and who has the residual claim. The, that's the vast distinction, the big distinction between stockholders, shareholders, as it were, and bondholders, debt holders, as it were. So make sure that you know that. Now, in that same regard, make sure you understand what free cash flow is. It wouldn't hurt for you to write that formula down on your note card. There are uh, specifically NOPAT, net operating profit after taxes. What is in there and what is not in there? And then, of course, free cash flow takes no pat and it fixes some of the stuff that's in the accounting statement. So make sure that you know what no pat is, what free cash flow is. In that same regard, and the, the, uh, on, uh, I've done a lot of these questions on your quizzes. So it's, a lot of it's not new, but make sure that you are focused on that. So when, what happens if your <coughs> uh, current assets go up against your current liabilities? What does that do to free cash flow? When current assets go up relative to free uh, to uh, current liabilities, <coughs> if my accounts receivable go up and there's not anything going up to match it in the current liabilities, what does that do to your current to your free cash flow? Current liabilities the same. What happens if current liabilities go up faster than your current assets do? Or they fall faster than your current assets fall? Know what is the impact is on your free cash flow. I ask this on a quiz question. Now, if I'm not mistaken, all of your quizzes have the correct answers up so that you can review for those as you need to. I strongly recommend you do that because, as I said, I pull questions from the quizzes and I copy and paste and then I might change a word or two or change the direction of the relationship. Okay. And uh, with respect to stock, make sure you know about uh, intrinsic versus market value. Make sure you know are they the same? Can they be different? Hmm. Okay, now I did a, a lot of different splitting up of markets. Money market versus capital market. Debt versus equity markets. Primary versus secondary. And I even caught, did this on a quiz. So there's a question that comes very similar to one on, a, on one of the quizzes about this, where I'm seeing if you know, the know these different distinctions. Like, for example, if I buy stock, I order a round lot of some stock from my broker. What market am I accessing? Yeah? Uh, could you use 
Uh, we say the markets that you mentioned earlier. Capital versus money. Debt versus equity. Primary versus secondary. And then that question, if I said you buy some stock from your bro broker, a round lot of something, what market are you accessing? Secondary. Yeah, that's a secondary, yeah. You go out and your co corporation goes out and borrows $200 million on a 30-year bond, you would be obviously accessing the capital market because it's long-term funds. I'm saying here, I'm just looking through. Oh, know what li what I mean by liquidity. First and foremost, I gave you a definition in class of liquidity. And I warned you that there are definitions you can find on the internet that are wrong. They are insufficient, shall we say. Make sure you know the one that I gave you. And in, that, in the same uh, general area, make sure you know the relationship of liquidity and intrinsic value. Make sure you know the, the relationship between liquidity and intrinsic value. And also the relationship between liquidity and expected return. If you've got an asset, its liquidity is going to be intimately related to how much you expect to make off that asset. So make sure you know that one too. Make sure you know I, I, there's, it's in the matching, but it's also in other parts where I give you some terminology and make sure you understand that terminology. A bull market versus a bear market. A round lot. Bid and ask. Beta. Uh, I mean, what's an index versus a market? Yeah. What's a round lot? It's 100 shares. That used to be, by the way, really important. You bought in round lots. If you didn't buy a round lot, then they charged you an extra fee. Now you can even buy fractions of shares and no one cares. What? Oh. Okay, I, I thought I was dying and that was heaven calling me home. <laughs> and I thought, you got the wrong dude, uh, St. Uh, Peter. Okay, 
where the hell was I after that excitement? I have a question. Yeah. So bid is what you sell it at and ask is what you buy it at? Yeah. Okay. The bid is the lower one. So obviously you're not going to get as much to sell it as you would if you bought it, which is at the ask. Yeah, go. Uh, you mentioned uh, the definition of liquidity that you get in class. Could you uh, reiterate? I'll give it once more. I'm, I'm wearing out my liquidity recording. Liquidity is the efficiency with which an asset can be converted to another asset. I have a few questions also. So you said we need to know the relationship between liquidity and intrinsic value and return on, was it asset? Return on investment, actually. Return on the asset. In other words, an asset, the more liquid the asset, what do you know about its um, expect? what do you expect its return? Here like this. I've got this here $20 bill in my pocket and no I'm not taking you to dinner. This is highly liquid. I can turn this into dinner. I could even turn this into a friend on Market Street but uh, I did not say that. Okay. What do I expect to get by having this in my pocket? What return? 10%? 50%? Hundred percent. I'll get nothing. Not I. See, this isn't going to make babies in there. The other twenty, it thinks is ugly. Okay, there, it it does not make any return. High liquidity. Now, you on the other hand, you have very low liquidity, but you are going to have a very high return on your asset over your life. A house is high is not liquid but it will make a high return over a long period of time. Even a stock, if you, you can actually trade the stock away right after you bought it, but how much are you going to make? It's only if you hold it for a long time that it's going to make you money. So highly liquid assets don't have an expected, very good expected return. Although they can and that's the other thing too, is that highly liquid assets don't have intrinsic value. This is worthless in and of itself, but the house has value in and of itself. So liquidity also, liquidity goes down as the intrinsic value goes up. So those are important concepts, and I think I hit you with like two or three questions where I'm just probing that important concept of liquidity and its relationship to other things that we live with in the world of finance and in our financial lives. Yeah, I have another question. Yeah. Um, it's about bid and ask. I'm a bit confused. You said bid was the lowest price that no, that's the price at which you can sell it. Watch here. Let's pull up a stock. Oh, I can turn it on, but don't let me forget to turn it back off before I pull up the exam again. I'm sure you'll all help me remember that, right? 
<laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> right there, Teach. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, uh, mRNA, Moderna, one of the vaccine manufacturers. Okay, now the bid is $144.02. If I have a share of Moderna, I can sell it for that. I could sell a round lot for $14,402. But if I want to buy Moderna, I'm going to have to pay $144.06 for each share. Simply, that's that relationship again. The bid is what you are going to sell it at. The ask is what you're going to buy it at. And that bid-ask spread just is what the brokers are going to make on the swing. Get it in, get it out, I cut a, a few cents. You could almost, I, I, it, it's an odd thing to think this way, but I had one trader, he said, yeah, the bid is the wholesale, the ask is the retail. So when you sell, you're the wholesaler. When you buy, you're the retail end. I don't know if that's exactly a good explanation. By the way, just so we're clear, I'm going to give you a stock screen. Okay, just like I did on that quiz and just like I've harped on every class we've done, I'm going to give you a stock screen. Here's one that I can talk to you about. Now, starting out, I can ask you about how much you'd pay for a round lot or how much you would sell a round lot for. Might ask you both. Now, as far as beta goes, is this a risky or about the same as the market or is this a uh, safe stock. Risky? Yeah. This one is, actually, that's a little surprising to me. Well, Moderna is actually right now almost like a one-trick pony. They've got other vaccines in the works, but, you know, who knows. Now, is the P-E ratio in agreement with the beta about the risk? Not at all. I would see this, this stock is really undervalued. At a P.E. ratio below 30, this one is way below. So the price is way below what might be considered intrinsic value. So yeah, if you're willing to ride a bucking bronco with that beta, this could be you know, something you could take a shot at. I don't know if I would. Yeah. So the P.E. around 30 is pretty stable then? That's the one that where you think it's right about it, it's intrinsic value. Some people say it's 25, some people say it's 35, but think about 30 is about the fulcrum between undervalued and overvalued. Yeah, did you have a question? Uh, so is the intrinsic value that we talk about when we talk about stocks and market value, is that the same intrinsic value that we were talking about earlier with the relation to liquidity? Yes, actually it is, oddly enough. In a weird way, it's very related. I wish I hadn't brought that up. That's difficult. Now, does Moderna pay a dividend? Talk to me. No. Yeah. You can't. But what I do know is that when the price to earnings ratio, price divided by earnings, is low, that tends to tell me that the price is below what it should be. And I hate to say that, that's almost a, that's a subjective thing. But in this case, that far below 30. And notice, is this company profitable? <coughs> oh yeah, this is really profitable. It, it's, 
God. Look at this. Do you see the volume today? Is this volume less than or more than normal? More. More. A lot. I mean, something is cooking with Moderna. Might, might be a... Average volume for a day is 5 million shares. Oh, you're right. It's below. A day. Thank God I, someone saw that. Thank you. It's weak today. Okay. I'm curious about something real quick. Earnings aren't for quite a while yet. Notice how its earnings have been below the estimates. I would be still, I'd be darn tempted looking at the one year declining tops, collapsing bottoms. Ooh, that's scary. Intermediate term, rising bottoms. Nah, scary. That's a little bit too scary for my blood. But anyway, those are the kinds of questions I could ask you about this stock, about a stock. It'll just be a screen of some nice, big, reputable company. In other words, it won't be Tesla. But anyway, I couldn't stand it. I was driving by Meyer, and all these guys were just parked there in their Teslas charging up, and I, hey, 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 you're going to be there for an hour. Okay, anyway. Uh, yeah. Just take this and multiply it by 100. So if I, yeah, I don't want me to be trivial. See that price? If I sold it, I would take in $14,402. If I bought it, bought a round lot, I would pay $14,406. And that's just a bid-ask spread. Notice that that bid-ask spread is a little bit strong. Usually it's a penny or two for a stock this, like this. And it's probably just because of the weak volume on it today that the spread is a little bit more. But anyway, that's enough of that one. Now let me turn this off here and go back to the review. <laughs> but yeah, that, uh, that stock screen... Real quick, let me look real quick here. One, two, three. That's five questions. That's 10 points on the exam. Just being able to look at the stock screen and pull the information out, which is one of the use, useful things in this course, is being able to take information and process it into decision making. Okay, let me go back. Oh, as far as numerical questions go, there will be a future value like I did on the quiz. It'll be the same one like on the quiz and like on that problem set that I gave you that's in ReggieNet. Find the future value. For God's sake, remember that future values are, are on begin. Present values are usually on the end. I will also ask you to calculate the monthly payments on a car loan. just like I did on uh, two quizzes and in the problem set. And I'll also ask you to find the effective rate, just like I've done before. These numerical questions, you've seen them enough. So the best way to study for the numerical ones is just 
quizzes. That's right. You can get those. You can get my this one on here. These on here. Now, <coughs> going back through, just one more pass. Oh, bill, note, and bond. Make sure you know what I mean by each of them. Yeah, go ahead. A numerical right now. Okay. And I'll do the calculator. You buy a $25,000 car on a five-year loan carrying an APR of 6.49%. What are your monthly payments? And what is the effective rate? On the loan. Now on your calculator. And then I'll do it in an Excel. Apps, finance, TVM solver. Remember the N times the compoundings, the I divided by the compoundings. So the N here would be, did I say a five-year loan? times 12 payments a year, go down. In other words, you'll have 60 payments. The interest rate is 6.49% per year, compounded every time you make a payment, so it's divided by 12. The N is times, the divide is divide. The N is times, the I percent is divide. Drop it down to the present value. That's your price value. Don't forget to give it a negative for a present value, and you're buying an ugly car for 25 grand. Now, you put it on payment. Make sure your FV is zero. Those are ones, and you're on the end. And you say alpha solve. And there's your dinner, $489 a month. Yeah? So only time will we change, uh, like all the way down is for future value? At the bottom, it would be a future value. I'm, I'll do one of those, OK? As a matter of fact, let me do one of those when I'm finished with this. OK, now, always do a 
kind of like a sanity check. Does that payment make sense? If you put something in wrong, like if you forgot to get to divide the I by 12, you'll get something that looks ridiculous. Same with the N. Yeah, $489, that, that's probably about right these days. Now, second quit, we're going to get the effective rate. Apps, finance, you go all the way down to EFF. And you key in the effective rate. What was the APR? 6.49. And you put a comma. How many payments a year? 12. It's a 6.69%. Rounded to two decimal places, which is what I'll ask for. And that's all there is to it. If you get, if you're comfortable with doing this, these problems will take you no more than a half a minute to do. Not even that, really. As long as you know how to do the keystrokes, this is these problems. Even though they look like the oh, they're the math questions, they're not bad at all. Now in Excel, I'll just put in the information here. Uh, price APR compoundings per year you can put in the FV it's not going to matter at all and the that should be it. Payments. I may be wrong here. The price is negative 25,000. I can put that in. The APR is six point, and remember in Excel you have to tell it that's a percent. Compoundings per year. Whoops, try that again. Six point. Four nine percent number of compoundings per year twelve future value there's no kicker at the end your payments equal PMT and you let Excel guide you the rate that divided by that the number of periods is that the price value is that the future value, you don't need to put this in. And the type is an ordinary annuity, you don't have to put that in. But if you do, ordinary annuities are zero. And I hope I did this right. My ass. Did you need the number of years? Yep, I forgot <laughs> to put in the number of years. Uh, insert years 12. Five years? That's right, five years. Okay, let's try that again. Equals PMT. You can tell I use the calculator a lot more for this. 
the rate is that divided by that. The number of periods is 12 times 5. The price value is that. What are you bitching about? Price value is that. And the type is, I'm not even, wait a minute. Future value. Future value. And the type is, it's a zero. I'm not even, well, I'll put it in. Like I said, you can tell that I use the calculator for this more than I use the Excel for these quick, dirty problems. That's all there is to it, though. Nothing difficult. Let me do just one where you've got a future value. Starting today, you put $25 into a savings account. Every week. The account has an APR of 4.19%. One week after your last deposit, In 15, let's say in 20 years, how much will you have in the account? Let's write that down. Oh, the pain of it all. So for this one, first thing I'll do is do the use the calculator for it. Apps finance. TVM solver. Here we go. The N is 20 years times 52 weeks a year. So you're going to do this 1,040 times. The I percent, the APR on it is 4.19. 
and you divide that up 50 to, into 52 compoundings per year. There's no present value. You're just going to put in payments of, what did I say, $25 every week. Now here's where you have to watch it. It said starting today, so that means it is an annuity due. So you toggle to the begin at the bottom of the screen. And then you bring it back up to FV. And then you alpha solve. Whoa, that's decent. $40,707. Yeah? How much difference would it be if we had it on hand? Watch what happens. Forty thousand seven hundred and seven. If you make a mistake, forty thousand six hundred seventy-four. It's enough to be noticeable. So obviously, I'll give you a range of answers that are acceptable, but it will not be wide enough that doing that calculation would be part of it. You could, you'll get a little extra, you'll get a little credit if you have it on end instead of begin, but it won't be full credit. Now, trying not to screw up in Excel. Okay. And we'll put in the APR number of years. Whoops, try that again. Number of compoundings per year. There won't be any PV, but we can put it in there anyway. I'm trying to think. If I'm forgetting, I'm probably forgetting something. I always do, but thank heaven. Oh, FV, future value. Now getting these in here, 4.19%. Number of years, 20. Compoundings per year, 52. No present value to it. Equals FV. Rate that divided by that, the number of periods is that times that, the payments, I forgot the payments. <laughs> you know, hire the elderly, we're fun to watch, you know? <laughs> PMT, God. Okay, and your payments are 25 bucks a year. So let's try it again. Equals FV rate that divided by that comma number of periods that times 
uh, that comma payments comma present value is zero and this you need to remember it because this is an annuity due you have to put in that last option because it will think it's a zero which is an ordinary annuity you have to tell it this is this is an annuity due that's a one there you go hate that no matter how hard I try it's going to give you a negative I should have put this as I think if I put this as a negative yeah doesn't matter obviously you know what the answer is there but for God's sake if you're going to use Excel to do this make sure you put in that comma one at the end because otherwise it'll default to a zero which is an ordinary annuity So that is all the numerics that I can think of. Yeah. Sure can. Okay, watch again. You want to see it? Okay. So it's FV formula. Open the parentheses. And the first thing it's going to say is what's the rate? That would be the APR divided by the number of compoundings per year. Notice how it works like an, the calculator does. You have to do those multiplications and divisions yourself. Comma. Now the number of periods, just like on the calculator, you've got to take the number of years times the compoundings per year. Comma. And then it's going to ask you for the payments. That would be the $25, comma. You don't have any startup amount of money, no kicker, like 5000 to go in. It's just a zero. And then you're going to give the comma and the type. Again, you need to tell us this is an annuity due, which is the one in that uh, box right there. You can leave it out, and you'll get the wrong answer. And then you close a parenthesis, and there it is. Yeah? Uh, when we find an effective rate for future values, do we have to do anything different than we do with the final? It's the same, always. Same formula. Yeah? So, what, what formulas do we have to know that's not going to be on the form we're Well, the, these aren't, that, that's for ratios. This is for the ones that you would need to know for Excel would be the present value. Uh, well, okay. The present value formula there and this FV formula. Now there's also a PMT formula. I think that was the one I used here. Yeah. So it's the PMT and the FV are the two biggies. And then there's a PV that can be used too, price value. But I won't ask that one on this exam. You should be able to survive with just these two. As far as Excel functions go. Yeah. So for the second problem, you put the data. How do you tell the difference? Like how do you know when you need to use the data? It said starting today. That's always, that's my big signal. 
that it's an annuity due. You'll see on the quiz, I did the same thing. I said starting today. And that means it was, it was an annuity due. Well, that was certainly fun. Let me go and clean up a few. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, will there be any numerical problems about like, the value of bonds? No, no. There will be, that's what I was going to get to, is a few last things here. Uh, the value of, oh, about bonds. Big thing would be make sure you know the basics of what a bond is. It's a debt obligation. And, uh, you know, what is always the future value? If I don't, you'll never hear anyone say it, but it's a thousand. If you're talking about on the hundred, it's a hundred. That's what future value always is. The, the face value of a bond is always a thousand. Or if they say on the hundred, you say it's a, on the hundred. Cripe. Just noticed something flying by the window that caught my attention. Okay, I have a question. So yeah. What's the difference between the effective rate of interest and the EPR? You really want to know? The effective rate is this, what interest rate not compounded would be. In other words, if I made my payments once a year, what would the interest rate be instead of 12 times or 52 times a year? It's, it, that's, it, I could change the numbers and make everything N as the number of years and the payments once every year, and that's what the rate would be on the same loan to get the same payments. Okay, there's one, make sure you know the difference between who is the seller of a bond or a bill or a note and who is the buyer or the investor. So if you go to a bank and borrow on that car loan right there, you're selling the bank, you are writing the bank a five-year note. If you're the bank in that transaction, you are buying, you are investing in that five-year note issued by the borrower. There was one on one of the quizzes where I did that and I'll do one similar to it on the midterm. Let me go through a few last things here. Now obviously this isn't comprehensive, but I mean I'm giving you so much. I feel like the candy man handing out candy. Okay, make sure you know about what presidents oversaw what issues, finance economic issues. Obviously, on the quiz, I asked you about the OPEC oil embargo. That was Richard Nixon. You could ask, okay, who was the president who uh, appointed Paul Volcker? That, would, that was another question that I could ask. Who said 
the moral equivalent of war is what we are waging on inflation. Who is a president who is guns and butter fighting poverty and engaging in the escalation of a monster police action in Southeast Asia? Who was that? Okay, so I'll ask you one of those. Okay, as far as ratios are concerned, well, okay, I could say, okay, which one is bigger, current ratio or burn ratio? Yeah, uh, no, the burn is the smallest. Which is bigger, return on assets or return on equity? ROE is bigger. Which is bigger, net margin or gross margin? That would be gross margin. As far as interest rates go, what are the two parts of the risk-free rate? What's the default premium? Would a loan on a house have a high default premium? Would a corporate, a triple A corporate bond have a large default premium? How about a 30-year treasury? Would it have a high or a low maturity premium? It'd have a high because it's a very long instrument. Would a triple A corporate bond have a high liquidity premium, illiquidity premium, or a low one? It would have a very low one because you can sell it any time. You can unload them. So make sure you know those that thing that formula I wrote there for what an interest rate. What's in an interest rate? What happens if the Fed increases the money supply? What does that do to the real rate of return? The real rate. Yes. Supply of money goes up, the price of money, interest rates goes down. Are there instruments that have no default premium? Well, yeah, treasuries. The government isn't going to default on a treasury obligation. What, which one has a higher default premium? If two bonds are identical, one is a mortgage bond and one is a debenture, which one would have a higher default premium? That'd be the debenture because it's not backed by an asset. If a company defaults, mortgage bondholders will simply liquidate what is theirs in the mortgage. Debenture holders have no collateralization, they'll just sit there and stew. Okay, your questions now. What do you want to ask me? Okay, well, let's start. Go ahead. Um, are we going to have to uh, calculate, you know, how the 
when we see a stock or when we show the picture of a stock? Are we going to have to calculate the PE ratio? No. You will not have to. Nope. Those are given to you. We don't calculate what we can get that easily. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be up by late this afternoon, provided my battery doesn't run out again. Give me a second. Make sure. Now you got me worried about my battery. Yeah, I'm still cruising. 52 minutes and 18 seconds. Yes. Usually it takes me about an hour to aggregate. I did notice Apple iTunes had stopped publishing, stopped um, picking up my podcast. It was because there was a screw-up in the database on my website. I fixed that now, so all the lectures are there in order, in proper form, and you can also get them on Apple iTunes as well. Yeah. Me? Yeah. Uh, will there be anything about like CPI or PPI? No. Question. Yeah. Free cash flow. Free cash flow is revenue minus expenses. That is the same as saying operating income. otherwise known as EBIT, earnings before interest and taxes. Notice that that does not include interest expense. That's not part of, okay. Times one minus the tax rate, and that is NOPAT, net operating profit after taxes. That right there. Revenues minus expenses, Take away your taxes, and we usually just use 21%, 1 minus 0.21. And that's no pat. Now, you're going to have to add back the depreciation expense because it was in there. We keep it in there just because it knocks down our tax bill. And then we're going to take away what actually happened. Capital expenditures, actual big money we spent, that year, and we're going to take away net operating working capital, which is current assets minus current liabilities in the this change in net working, I'm sorry, minus the change. Minus current assets minus current liabilities one period back. I will not ask you to calculate a net, net operating working capital on this exam. On the final, yes, because we go into it in more depth. But that is free cash flow. So can you go with the terminology like from bull markets, bid ask, and beta, were there others after that? Oh yeah, there were a bunch. I can give you some. Flight to quality. <coughs> Capital markets. Market cap. Gave you liquidity already. What's money versus capital? Secondary market versus the primary market. Bid and ask. 
What do I mean when I say equity? I said intrinsic value and all that versus market value. Beta. What's an annuity? And obviously risk-free rate, expected inflation premium, real rate, and default liquidity and maturity premiums. Well, I mean by opportunity cost. Historical cost, sunk cost, bond note bill, index versus market. Yeah, you'll get immediate feedback when it's finished. Yeah. So when you say no, um, like bonds, do you mean like every single type of bond you talked about in class, like foreign, gold, convertible? I'm not going to go into detail like that on this on this exam. Okay. Uh, it, this, you see, you're we're doing the bonds right before the exam, basically. So I'm not going to beat them up, but I would expect you to know something like. If the bid-ask spread, uh, what happens as a co the coupon on a bond approaches, well, what happens if uh, the, uh, as the coupon and yield get closer together, as their spread decreases, what happens to the price of the bond? as the spread between coupon and yield decreases or increases, what happens to the price of the bond? That was in the last lecture I said, make sure you know this. And I showed you those examples. But other than that, not any numbers and not any details about foreign bonds, uh, gold bonds, or things like that. I won't hit that here. And things like investment bank. What does an investment bank do? As opposed to a plain old commercial bank. Things like that. Yeah. Pardon? What's an annuity? It's a stream of cash flows. An annuity is a stream of cash flows. So your salary at a job is an annuity. If I were to retire, I would get an annuity. Like I'll ever retire. <laughs> Don't you wish. Anything else? Yeah? The, the section regarding the time value of money is mostly in 
numeric problem, but the bond section, the which chapter was bonds? Chapter seven. Okay, chapter seven. It's just a general general question. Say that again. Yeah, terminology. It's not going to be asking for number answers. Well, yeah. Basically, a car loan is a bond, is a note. A house loan is a bond. But those are restricted to finding, AP, finding payments and effective rates. Anything else? Yeah. Follow the podcast in your notes, and I will. It will be something right from what I said in the class. Won't be a hard one either. It will just be basic history. Unfortunately, new to you, but old stuff to me. Uh, yeah. There. No, I'm not going to ask. For the present value of an annuity, no. Although technically finding a mortgage payment is a present value kind of question, not a direct present value question. So you won't have to use the PV on Excel. Unless you want to, there's a place where you could, but... Anything else? Yeah. Four by six. One, front and back. Are you? Yes, you can. I have. I've had a student once. He made a normal eight and a half by eleven, and then he shrunk it, <coughs> and then he couldn't read it. <laughs> but I mean, if it's <coughs> four by six, yeah, in both sides. Now, also remember that the tutor is in, in uh, four thirty-nine tomorrow from eleven to one. If you want to ask questions from the Cengage homework. Other than that, that's all I have for you today. I thank you.